Welcome to another episode of the Perfect Movie Soundtrack, where the movie needs the soundtrack as much as the soundtrack needs the movie. I'm Joshua Weber. I'm Heather Samples. And I'm Matt Lombardi. And I'm Matt Lombardi. And I'm Matt Lombardi. How the fuck am I supposed to say my name to make you guys proud of me? (laughs) (laughs) No. Yeah. Hey, cool, man. No problem. No problem at all. Who are you? Star-Lord. Who? Well, Star-Lord, man. Legendary outlaw? Forget it. They call themselves the Guardians of the Galaxy. What a bunch of a-holes. 2014's Guardians of the Galaxy. It stars one of those dudes whose name is Chris. <laughs> and uh, It stars the Christian Chris. He's the Christian one seed. Yeah, he's the Christian one. <laughs> there was a thing in the 80s and 90s where everybody said that like there was those guys that all looked alike and I can never remember who all they were but they were je- they were Bill Pullman, Bill Paxton. Bill Paxton. I still uh, think just, that Bill Pullman and Bill Paxton are very hard right. to tell apart. And there's there's three or four mm-hmm. other guys that are on this same list and I don't have them right in front of me right now but people would always put them together. They played the same roles, they kind of look alike. The Chrises are all like that to me too. Not that they all look alike, wait, but and can can we name Wait, can we name the Chrises? We have Chris Pratt who's in this. Chris Pratt. Okay, see the fact that you just said that is useful to me because I would have just said Chris Pine was in this, but Chris Pratt is in this. Okay. Oh, Chris Pine is another He's, Chris. What's Chris, the other one? Chris Pine is the one who's in Star Trek? <laughs> is that true? <laughs> and is he the guy in Wonder Woman? I have no freaking clue. <laughs> Heather's. I can't tell if Heather's laughing. No, no, I have no idea. Glad she's not. Or glad she's. There's also there's there's also Chris Hemsworth. Who is somebody? That one. He might be a superhero too. Yeah, he's Thor. Why is he? uh, Oh, he's Thor. I thought was who's Liam Hemsworth. Oh shit, Liam might be Thor. See, that's the thing. Who's the guy that's? Who could know who these people are? No, 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 no. We got is Chris is is. Wait, is uh who's who's Captain America? Isn't that a Chris too? He's. I think he's a Chris. No, Captain America is um, Jenny Slate's ex. I followed that story a little because I have a crush on Jenny Slate. Yeah, well, you live in Brooklyn. Of course you do. Chris Evans. Chris there Evans. you go. I told you there's a Chris problem. Captain America. All these Chrises, right. I don't know who's who. And honestly, if you asked me which one Chris Evans was, I would I would not have been able to name he was Captain America. And as um, I said, Chris Hemsworth is Thor. Well, then who the hell is Liam Hemsworth? <laughs> His brother. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I was tired of my lady. Joshua, We've been how has your week been? I'm hosting this episode and am not as prepared as I am normally and am, and and as not as prepared as I like to be because there's certainly a lack of sleep and time that I'm adjusting to but you know as far as those things go I'd say that you know I'm I think I think we're doing pretty good that's good and yeah it's fun and um if there were a movie that we could all worry less about doing justice to because we'd spent a week adjusting to the transformative event of becoming a parent. This is a great one to do. I mean, in the sense that I, I guess you're suggesting that uh, it we don't really need to think too much about this one. Yeah, I don't think that this yeah. movie is really going to be asking a whole lot of us <laughs> intellectually. 
I wouldn't mind so if like it was Joshua's daughter a little bit more of us intellectually because it would have helped me prepare at the last minute a little bit more. Oh um, yes, yes. You know, so you're saying his daughter deserves more love. Than I'm this movie saying this week. Is that, is that's that definitely the takeaway. I was I was finishing watching it last night, sitting in a chair. It was my shift to watch her before she was going to eat again. It was like, you know, late at night, and I was having a lot of trouble keeping my eyes open <laughs> for the last thirty minutes or so. Um, as you know, you I realized I never saw the second half of this movie while watching it because I think I had fallen asleep the first time. Yeah, I mean, I can see how that would happen. But there's an interesting because I think there's a connection here about parenthood in this movie and everyone on this podcast. Ooh. I like it. Synthesizing having a child is is really awesome. It's really fun. It's like the most concrete thing that's ever happened to you. You mean because it's bodily? It's just real. It's just there. It's real. It's mm-hmm. immediate. Every everything's yeah. changed. It's not an email you can ignore. <laughs> no, no, there's there's no five minutes from now. There's nothing. You just it's, can't. Yeah. It's the most immediate thing. It's like that thing in two thousand one, right? That 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 the, the lands and the, the mo- what's it called? The thing that lands amongst the 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 obelisk, the obelisk that lands amongst the. It's like yeah, you're dealing with this thing. This is your metaphor. So it's like so immediately there, which is kind of wild because it's just like yep, there it is. Here we go. All right. Yeah. You know, there's no there's no delaying this one. Yeah. It's exciting. <laughs> it is. Well, that's the thing. That's the thing. It's it's exciting, too. So it's all been very exciting. But everybody's he- healthy and... Um, I, you know, it does make fine. me think that maybe I should have picked Guardians of the Galaxy 2 because I know <laughs> that's the one that really has a, has a large... Um, the parent issue plays a larger role in Guardians of the Galaxy that 2. That is one way of his, uh, Star-Lord's father <laughs> is one of the main plot points. <laughs> But uh, I, like I didn't. I mean, then you could have just picked three uh, men and a baby or something. I, I picked Guardians of the Galaxy, and so here we are. That you like pina coladas Getting caught in the rain And the feel of the ocean And the taste of champagne do we have to lay a little groundwork for our non-MCU listeners? I don't know, do we? I think, I don't know. I think, don't bother. I think we don't have... I, I, I think we would be an MCU podcast if we wanted to do that. But uh, that, like, that's how extensive the lore is at this point. But I do think that we can give a super tight... I was going to say year and director and like... That and, it's, and that ties into the Avengers movies and or also that's all just give someone a taste who's out there confused right now I mean yeah okay so 2014 James Gunn I didn't know a lot about it uh it's it's sort of the I think it's the probably the first of the MCU movies that really like crashed through the barrier and started to cause people to be like oh this is going to be a massive franchise it was one mm. of the early ones to to kind of like break the wall past a bunch of sort of nerdy fandom kinds of audiences and become like widely beloved and mainstream. It's also the MCU uh, property where Thanos is is uh, introduced and Thanos then becomes the sort of like uh, uber Me. antagonist right. at the center <laughs> yeah. of this massively sprawling web of storytelling that takes place over the rest of the MCU. So it's well known to people who care about the MCU for being the the kind of like kickoff point to the the kind of like uh sun at the center of the uni- the the universe of, of of Marvel. Okay. 
All right. Nice. Well done. Well done. And <laughs> it has a soundtrack that became bonkers level popular. Truly outrageously uh, pur- purchased and listened to. And still, t- and, and still is. Yeah, the numbers are pretty crazy. We'll get into them when we talk about that. World or just domestic? It's probably just domestic, but uh, <laughs> Sorry, it's Matt. a very, su- I'm just checking. Very, just checking. <laughs> very successful soundtrack. So what do you guys think of this movie? I can go first on that one. I have a like nice, tight answer to that. I was really surprised in re-watching this movie by how not enjoyable it was. And I don't think that that's because it's a piece of trash. I think it's because I have been so sucked into the MCU <laughs> by my kid that mm. <laughs> that I have watched the MCU evolve and get better. And so going back to one of its like Interesting. earlier moments of the franchise, I'm like, oh, this was the first draft. And my expectations have been raised, and I'm I'm like not oh, that's interesting. impressed by this anymore. Although I remember when I first saw it, which was not when it first came out, um, but when my kid first got obsessed with the MCU. So I don't know, maybe f- five years ago or something. Uh, I remember thinking, "Oh, this is fun. I can do this." Yeah, and and like enjoying it. And Didn't, this time around, I was like, yeah. "Oh my god, yeah. what a slog! Like it's such a piece of shit <laughs> compared to the most recent <laughs> entries into the into the universe." Is this movie someone's Goonies? Mm. Oh, that's a good our question. Generation that's a good question. Takes movies and like there's t- like this movie seems to me like um, probably if you're young, it has a lot of quotable lines in it. And it has a lot of like silly fun twists when you think it's going to be romantic and then it's a, a, a funny joke. And so that's got to be really fun when you're young yeah. and they're like subverting all your expectations. <laughs> and a lot of stuff goes on. Like it doesn't just have the raccoon. It has like baby Groot dancing to Jackson five. At yeah. the end. So it's got just like a lot of shit going on. And I thought, wow, if I was like 10 and I saw this and soundtrack wise, I either hadn't heard this songs or they were in the back of my mind, or like I heard them at a wedding once, or whatever um, it is, they probably sounded really fun, and this was probably a really good time. Or actually, maybe more more likely, Spotify served them up to you, because the kid, Possibly. the person who is the like demog- age demographic that you're talking about. Yeah. Oh wait, are kids on yes. Spotify? So like that that okay. that kid actually doesn't even listen to albums. Uh, right. That kid is relying mm-hmm. on the algorithm to deliver music, and so they've heard these songs, but totally decontextualized and without any awareness of where yeah. they come from or right. how old they are. Putting it in that perspective, like you know, I'm in my 40s watching this, and I'm like, make me laugh, Hollywood <laughs> expensive yeah. movie. But if I'm 11, there's this scene where like the raccoon played by Bradley Cooper, he doesn't he doesn't have his gun, and then someone throws him his gun, and he gets his big giant gun. You know he's gonna blast all the bad guys, and like he turns to the camera or something, and he's like, "Let's do this," or yeah. "Oh baby," or "Come on." That is the kind of shit when I was 11 yeah. that I was you go like, nuts for. Fuck yeah. yes, and I would like laugh hysterically. And then I saw it, and I was like, "Oh wow, they're still doing that." You know, in the 80s, like. You'd get the weapon and the character would be like, eat lead, numb nuts. And you'd be like, oh shit. And like, whatever it was. And I was like, heartened. Wait, that is that eat joke lead, numb works, nuts something then, you made up just now? Or is it a real. Yeah. Yes. It's, I was it's, trying to I think, think of like the most <laughs> 80s kids action it's movie. Schwarzenegger, line. right? Eat lead, numb nuts. Eat lead, numb nuts. <laughs> <laughs> People go. Either that or it's Stallone. Eat lead, numb nuts. 
Because I remember geeking out about Goonies in college when you realize everyone saw Goonies or, you know, I'm trying to avoid Ghostbusters because I always talk about Ghostbusters or like Indiana Jones. And then you start geeking out with it, about it with your friends, saying lines, making jokes, referencing characters, or has the internet killed that? You know, and you don't have that kinship over movie. And Heather, you have a 13 year old. Yeah, so I, I, I my answer to, to that is, uh, I don't think it's anybody's Goonies because I think that the way that, uh, because I think that, you know, the, the way that people receive culture and experience culture te technologically has just changed so much that it's different. Mm -hmm. um, but I do think that you're right that there's, um, there's just a, there's like a tween uh, young teen demographic for whom this movie was just a whole hell of a lot of fun and mm -hmm. inverted a number of their expectations while delivering near constant dopamine hits. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and I think that that's part of why um, I think it's what part of why it's considered like one of the big, the big properties in, in this franchise, even though it's been superseded yeah. in terms of art and relevance by any number of other movies in in the portfolio but this one remains like a kind of a big deal to people in part i think for what you're saying i was looking up rank lists and it's it seems like a top five yeah though. that's what i'm saying like, it like, seems like the beloved even though like everyone's like iron man this and then like the avengers ones i don't can't tell apart or don't know about i mean ms marvel and she hulk and uh obviously black panther like there are lots of entries into the whole portfolio that are really really compelling entertainment um and are doing new and different things which is like i said like part of why going back and watching this one i was like i was expecting to really kind of have fun watching it remembering yeah, how much fun I'd i thought had i would enjoy it more and i was like oh wow this is this is like a, a beta version of what the mcu does now and i'm I'm an I'm an alpha. I don't need this beta anymore. But Galaxy had to walk, so uh, yeah, totally. You're watching could run. That's right. That's right. This is an action movie that has like three funny lines in it. Like I did laugh out loud like three times. There are like a couple. There's a lot of lines that are supposed to make you laugh, but there's a couple lines that are like legitimately funny. And but mostly, I was like, but are they first time lines? I was wondering because. It also seems like a movie that's funnier the first time because they have a couple well, of well, sure, lines sure, but there's and I was like, oh, pretty good. But that there's a couple that I was like, no, that's a, that's a, that's a legit funny line. Um, but uh, mostly, I was just struck by like this is such an action movie, and also because I've seen enough of the Avengers stuff that I now know about um, the whole story, Thanos and the stupid infinity stones oh my <laughs> god i mean I, I just find that and i loved comic books i was when i was 13 there was probably i loved comic books more than i loved skateboarding and i loved skateboarding a lot i love the marvel how'd universe. you feel about the and, horcruxes in harry potter uh I don't think I made it that far in Harry Potter. I, I watched oh, some of the Harry Potter movies. Sure, of course. The only reason why I know about yeah. Harry Potter is because m my kid is has already, you know, passed through that second grade phase of wanting to read all the Harry yeah. Potter books. Um, but it's the same. It's the same trope. It's like we've got these well, seven things spread across the course, universe that yes, we have to find sure. so that we can, you know. Yeah, because because in a in a children's book or in a comic book, it's very it makes a lot of sense. Uh -huh. The fact that that made it all the way to a movie is just like, come on, it's so. <laughs> Dumb. Anyway, so I was really just dis really distracted this time, if you will, that, that I was just like, this movie is just like part of the bigger 
picture. Like, this is just like setting the groundwork for like who Thanos is and these dumb stones are. And I was just like, that, these that dumb be- stones are. I think this is mostly an action movie <laughs> um, and not an action movie that seeks to just sort of be a standalone action movie, but an action movie that is a piece within a larger puzzle. And returning back to it, I felt like, well, if I don't care about that puzzle, if I don't care about the lore of this world, this episode of Guardians of the Galaxy is not that interesting to me. I think that that is actually the secret at the heart of the MCU, is that by convincing its fans that they need to see all of the pieces, they they lower the standard for what any individual piece has to achieve. To that makes sense. To such a to such a like unbelievably low bar that almost anything given the budgets they've putting behind it can clear that bar. It's it's actually yeah. like kind of a diabolically ingenious Thanos level uh, plot on the part of the producers. A great example is because the movie can can be completely disappointing but then at the end credits you have an easter egg yeah. and everybody goes crazy and throws their popcorn in I mean, the air and runs yeah. out and tells all their friends. The end of this movie right in the last beat of the movie it just says the Guardians of the Galaxy will return. Yeah, yeah cuz they knew they were making like it immediately yeah. and then I didn't wait for an easter egg. But it also has a like happy meal collect all the toys. Totally. Yeah. Let me let me take your segue then and run with that because awesome. I think that's actually kind of what this soundtrack is. This soundtrack was and remains a huge success. It was, it went number one on the Billboard charts, and it was the first soundtrack album in history to go number one that was all previously released songs. There's no songs made for this movie, mm-hmm. and that's unusual, you know, as we know. Especially because that's for kinda... this genre. Usually, this genre is very committed to its one yeah. custom theme. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or the one single yeah. that, you know, they were able to talk somebody yep. into releasing for the movie yep. or whatever it is. Yeah, yeah. With a whole shoulder of content that's familiar to draw people Everything in. we've been talking yeah. about has has that one yep. or two songs like that, right? And this one doesn't. It's all, and, and, and it's huge success. Domestically, it's sold 1.7 million copies in Think a about time that. when people don't buy music anymore people yeah. don't buy physical media right now it's sold 1.7 yeah. and globally it's sold 2.5 million copies this is like the forest gump of the new century that's <laughs> unbelievable <laughs> numbers unbelievable numbers and I want to talk about like why that is and how that is. And I think it ties into the fact that I don't know that this soundtrack is all that great. It's great in a certain way. I I'm interested in this number. And I think the reason that the reason the happy meal thing occurs to me is because I think this soundtrack is just a collectible. It's just an, it's just a happy meal prize. It's a thing that you buy because you love Marvel because you want another Marvel thing. They released a cassette so that you would have the same cassette that Peter Quill's mom gave to him, you know, on her deathbed. That, I, I don't know the movie well, and that I, a cassette looks iconic to me, because I've seen that visual of that type of retro cassette written by, I've seen that visual so many and, times. And, you know, maybe I'm really wrong. Maybe, maybe people were buying this because they left the movie theater, like I left the movie theater when I saw Drive, and I was like, I need this soundtrack immediately, and I bought it in the lobby on my phone. Maybe people did that. It's... This I, numbers of downloads, though, 
is shocking. It's incredible. And then, you know, let's do the track rundown in a minute and talk about how the songs hit in the movie and stuff. It really feels to me like this was Marvel saying, here's another item you can buy if you really love this franchise. If you really love what we're doing, you are going to be... Uh, so you, you're going to need this. You're going to need to show your friends that you own this. I think there's a little more to it than that. Maybe, maybe I'm halfway where you are, but I think, I think there's more to it. Heather, what will you look like? Yeah. Like I see that argument and I will raise you that, that, that it is also that the music on this soundtrack is feel good familiarity that you actually don't, you can't place uh, the, right. the musician themselves as easily as you might expect. The songs you can essentially play in your head without your trying, but that doesn't mean that you remember that it's a fucking 10cc song or a Redbone song or, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah, there's some Jackson 5 on here, there's some Bowie on here, but the bulk of it is stuff that isn't top of mind as right. as and so mm-hmm. and so what the MCU is offering you what the producers are offering you in the form of the soundtrack is like the kit it's like yes. it's like yes. buying a lego set instead of buying lego bricks and so you know what you're going to get you don't have to figure it all out you don't have to piece it all together but because it's all such ear candy you're like why not why would i why would i go to the trouble of crafting this on my own when someone's already put it together for me <laughs> Let me write down some of the songs here. A lot of songs that you may not you, I, I would I would even I would even bet that most people listening do not know a lot of these artists. Um but you would but, probably yeah, recognize the song. The song. Uh, not and not so, probably. You would definitely you, recognize yeah. the song and you would do it yeah, you quickly. Would, yeah. Yeah. You know every song. Yeah. Here. So um certainly some of them are, you know, very well known, like uh Hooked on a Feeling by Blue Suede, Moon Age Daydream, David Bowie. Those are, you know, ones that, you know, are, are you, you, you hear a lot. Um, but there's, I, I want you back. Jackson five, of course, yeah. huge. That's probably the biggest song here. We're also looking at spirit in the sky by Norman Greenbaum, which actually is not in the movie. It was in the trailer, but it, uh, makes the sound. Okay. I was wondering about that. Right. Research, an interesting thing I found out about Spirit in the Sky is that the guy who wrote that, uh, Norman Greenbaum, I guess now that I'm seeing his name, what I'm about to say sounds kind of obvious, but he was a Jewish guy who just figured that uh, making it a Christian song would sell a lot more units. Yeah, but he's just like, all right, I got this idea for this kind of heaven thing, you know, fuck it, I'll just make it kind of Christian. <laughs> and then he explicitly says Jesus. No, the song. song's ex- the right? song. I think that like 
And he's like, go yeah. find a man named Jesus. No, Christians feel like this is one of those moments when like their ideology broke through to the mainstream. Like this is like one of those moments when it's like, yeah, oh like finally God, so people funny. are hearing us. People finally are people are hearing us. Well, you know what's funny is that you say that, Heather. <laughs> How many candidates? Is that I remember later. that was one of my, that was one of the moments where I started to sort of realize. I, I, here's the realization I had, and it has to do with this song. Were they you're always pretending to be victims? Is that, yes, yes. <laughs> is that I remember, like, when my dad was going through his evangelical thing, is that there was this idea that, like, you know, we're, you know, no one will hear us. No one will listen to us. Our ideology is crushed and just, and, and you know, we're, we're, we're hated. And, and I was just old enough that I was really into, like, you know, rock and roll. And I was listening to, like, classic rock and stuff. And I was like, that's this there's this song spirit in the sky it's they play it on classic rock radio like every three hours it's a freaking hit like it's a, <laughs> does your is your dad familiar with christmas movies? well that's the thing and that I, I it just kind of broke through to me that i was just sort of like this is not true and then i was thinking about other things i remember at the time i was like i also like this band you too they're a christian band they're very successful yeah. and i suddenly just things started falling in place i was like you know this is not uh, this is not a group of people who are suffering for representation at all. But I've sp- I remember, yeah. but I remember, Spirit in the Sky actually, actually, like helped me realize that because I was like, this is just because I at the time I was I was hearing a lot of Christian music and it was terrible. Sure, Spirit in the Sky is a good song. It's a fucking jam, except man. for you, you. And too. I was like, you know, you know, maybe if you just made better songs, Sunday Bloody Sunday is a pretty great song. Oh hell yeah, it's a great song. <laughs> But then, then you have. It's scary though when Christian rock starts to break through to the mainstream. Like, like what? Like Evanescence? Like, like when, like when Creed was on MTV, I was like, "What is going on?" Yeah. MTV is well, supposed that's to make Christian terrible mad. music. Like, but 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 if you make Christian rock that's good, like Spirit in the Sky, whatever, it's a good song. Who cares? But then it wouldn't be Christian rock. What happens is if you're a Christian rock band like U2, you happen to be a band that may sing yeah, about right, God, yeah. Christ yeah. stuff. I love how your dad's like representation. Literally growing up when anyone got mad in my life, they yelled Jesus Christ. That's how big your religion is when you get <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. you get an expletive. Yep. <laughs> no one's screaming, Muhammad. <laughs> yeah. Like, Muhammad, I forgot to put money in the meter. <laughs> yeah. Or although I do like some of the older Italians I knew would say Jesus, Mary, and Joseph. <laughs> Yeah, see, I'm, I like, my, I like my go-to one. is David Koresh. I forgot to put money in the ear. <laughs> <laughs> but that just might be my own. Yeah. I like stub my toe and I'm like, Tom Cruise. <laughs> I um, stub my toe and I'm like, Paul Haggis. <laughs> Paul Haggis. <laughs> but ex-Scientology? What are you talking about? Forever. It's just, <laughs> I name ex-Scientologist when I'm stub my toe. <laughs> Oh man, guys, what's next? Yeah, um, go all the way by the raspberries. When are we gonna get to Cherry Bomb? Well, I was waiting on that one, but uh, okay, we could do that one. So yeah, Cherry Bomb by the Runaways. Can't stay at home, can't stay in school. Old folks say you pull out of food. Stay on the streets, I'm the girl next door. You have thoughts on Cherry Bomb, Heather? I just love it. That's all. Well, I'll tell you what. It's a great song. In doing research for this, I watched the, uh, 
I guess it's the video, but maybe they didn't have videos then, so maybe it was just a live performance. And I was I was definitely struck by uh, it's it's definitely shocking to see a a a girl that young wearing lingerie on stage. <laughs> it's it's shocking. She's, the Runaways are teenagers. I think they're all about 15, 16 years old, right? Rita Ford was in that band. Uh, was it Joan Jett was in that band? I got or Pat go. Benatar. Joan, Joan Jett. Jett dude. Joan Jett. Okay, Joan Jett is Come in that on. band. Didn't you take my quiz last episode? <laughs> and, uh, you know, they were, they were definitely playing up the sexual uh, angle, and they're very, very young, and that was somehow... I mean, it was oh seen God. as risque. I've never but, you seen know. them on on a stage, and they're called the Runaways. Wow, I never realized. I never put all that together. I just, you know, knew it was like Joan Jett's old band, Cherry Bomb. Whew. It was provocative at the time, and it was intended it's to be. It's still it sort provocative. Of, <laughs> it's provocative right now. What I was going to say is that at the time, I'm adding this all up, and I never have before. I was like, cute song. At the time, it was meant to be provocative. I'm saying in hindsight, it's downright shocking. <laughs> oh, I see. Like now, it's like incredible. Like I, I turned on the video today, and I was like, I don't even know if I should watch this video. I'm going to get reported. This is. <laughs> I mean, like, yeah, it's it's really something. You're watching it on a Reddit feed. Yeah. You've been I've the got dark my VPN on to watch a Runaways video. <laughs> so we got Runaways on here. We got, okay, Ain't No Mountain High Enough, Marvin Gaye. Definitely a song everybody knows. Pina Colada by Rupert Holmes. Something everybody knows. Uh, Ooh Child. Child, things are gonna get easier. Ooh, child, things will get brighter. Ooh, child, things are gonna get easier. Ooh, child's a great example because who who's gonna tell you who sings Ooh, child? Oh yeah, anyone gonna oh, yeah. say no. the five stair no. steps? No, not yeah. at all. And it, right? Yeah, but 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 everyone everyone can sing along with that song easily. Sure. Great. Yeah, I'm not in love is another one that I think most people probably know, but I don't know 10 CC. I don't know what that is. Yeah, yeah. this isn't this is my point. Like if yeah. if if we don't know and I say this not because we're experts but because we care about knowing these kinds of things, imagine yeah. how many millions of people didn't know. Yeah. Because they didn't ever care about knowing things like this and and like but, you know, the like media conglomerates are like you don't have to worry about it babe here it is this so this is for me part of the reason that i that i that i'm a little bit that i don't know that i completely trust that this soundtrack i'm I'm gonna after this i'm gonna make the case for this this soundtrack soundtrack clearly affected people enough that they spent money on it yes okay and there's shit tons of tiktoks of like of young people really digging these songs okay so i get that it made an impression on them but i guess what i'm saying is that I'm used to movies using songs in such a way that either it seems like the movie didn't give a shit what the soundtrack was like judgment night, for instance, where it's like, they've got this cool soundtrack, but you can tell the people who made the movie don't even know what the soundtrack is. Right. So they don't even employ the songs and the soundtrack is this completely other thing. They have no idea the embarrassment of riches they were handed. Yes, exactly. (laughs) Or a thing like Baby Driver, where the person cares so deeply what the song is, or that you know, he's Quentin lost Tarantino his goddamn too. mind and his head's up in his asshole. <laughs> that like it's like this song is every beat is going to be fashioned to this song, and I don't think this movie operates that way. I think these songs are interchangeable. No. And in my research, I found out yes. that James Gunn basically just 
he 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 started playing a playlist of he knew okay they'd already figured out we're going to put a soundtrack out we're going to have like 6 70s hits and so he basically just got a playlist of like the top 150 70s hits and just listened to it mm-hmm. and 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 whittled mm-hmm. down from there now that's what and, i call music soundtracks <laughs> and mm-hmm. the moon age day that's what this is moon age, this is my this is me making it that's moon age case, daydream gonna... which appears at a big moment a big quote unquote big moment. I didn't care, but I guess it's supposed to be a big moment when they go into some <laughs> other universe or some shit. And head. they they fly into like a severed head uh, spaceship. Yeah. David Bowie, you know, hey, you've got freaking David Bowie here, right? And, you know, and of course, I, I think maybe it's only on here because moon is the word in it. But they were going to he was originally going to have freaking Wichita lineman. By Glenn Campbell. Pretty big difference. And then at the last minute in post, he changed it. That's not caring. Like, that's such a big difference. They don't, that, it doesn't make a difference. Wichita Lineman is the song. Or maybe it just didn't fit, though. And then, well, why David Bowie makes any movie look cool. Why wouldn't it have fit? Any, the you point, put a Bowie song in a movie. Sure, just but my point is, why would Wichita Lineman be... Why would Wichita Lineman be yeah. the song that plays when you're going to another sector of the universe? Or on and on. I'm saying that these songs are interchangeable. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter what song anybody is dancing There's to no at any point. There's no difference between trains and spaceships, Joshua. It's just, you know, moving down the line. Steam engine flux <laughs> capacitor. I mean, I I did pat I did win the planes, trains, and automobiles quiz, so I do know a little <laughs> bit about the difference between these things. But you, <laughs> I guess I'm just saying, like, okay. watch. Hey, somebody is flex. high on flex. watching quiz results. Watching the movie, I didn't feel like the songs in in this one were that consequential to the movie. I felt like they could have been pretty much any song. They're kind of fun when they appear. I'm not saying they're not. I just don't think that it matters what song is playing at any time. I don't think they're significant to the plot or the story or the vibe. Yes. that. Well, no. The vibe, I would argue, but I agree with you that they're interchangeable. But my, my case for this is I'm just assuming... That lots of young people bought this. Oh yeah, it has to be. And maybe, and and maybe, maybe some super fans because I had a similar experience that I'm wondering they might have had, and maybe you have had, Joshua. I think you've mentioned it when the Reservoir Dog soundtrack came out, which had Hooked on a Feeling on it. I was not familiar with Hooked on a Feeling, and I was like, whoa, this weird '70s song is cool. How illegal would that be to put Hooked on a Feeling in a movie in the 90s? This is what well, I, I you know, like Reservoir Dogs, Quentin Tarantino, has, uh, he's said before um, that like he thinks it's really wrong to take another movie's musical moment. Like he wouldn't do that. He he's would it, I would say that. that. Bitch, it's been 30 years it's no, he fine. didn't say it about this song. He just said about like in general, he wouldn't do that. He's like, when a movie has used a song, I get, well, I get that. I though. do get that, and I think this movie didn't give a shit about that. But what I did find that was kind of because he's so well known for never taking over stories that he doesn't have a right this to. Song? Well, no, he he full sale lifts scores from you know classic spaghetti westerns and stuff. So he's a, but I think. Sorry, Josh. This song, "Hooked on a Feeling," was also the dancing baby song in Ally McBeal. That's where Quentin Tarantino got the idea. No, this would have been after Reservoir Dogs. I know. Reservoir Dogs was much longer. I did remember 
I remember the dancing baby. I didn't remember the song associated with the dancing baby. It was old animation, right? Wasn't it yeah. like animated? Well, it was like early, CGI, very early CGI. computer. Yeah, yeah. And it yeah. made the train spotting baby look positively normal. And- <laughs> Ooh, I want to see a supercut of those babies hanging out together. <laughs> anyway, so this song, you know, this song had had a couple big moments. And then I was talking to my wife Emily, and she's like, "Oh my god, so so many mixtapes ended up after Reservoir Dogs with that song." On. Yeah, but By don't you feel kids. like that song? in that movie was used with so much intention and so much purpose and like was absolutely so specifically it was, chosen. It was like hyper juxtaposed yeah. against the scary CD violence with this like, you know, feel good, silly seventies kitschy song. But you're still a kid who wants to be in your car and be like, hooga chaka, hooga, hooga, hooga. And it's like, and then the, the voices come in and, and it's like, also really about drugs, but a love song, See, yeah. masquerading I that. And s- I think if you're 13 or 14 yeah, or 15, sure. it's just fun to listen yeah. to. And I think that's who's hearing this for the first time. And I think a lot of these songs operate on the level. And then here's my other way to relate to it. I once had this shitty temp job where I was stuffing envelopes for some, like one of those CD houses. It was when I first moved to New York and I it was like, it's temp thing. And they're like, put all these things in envelopes and mail them to people. And they just had this like pile of CDs and they're like, yeah, take whatever you want. And one of the CDs I took was one of these really funny, like hits of the seventies Yeah, where which is why I knew 10CC sings I'm Not In Love or I wouldn't. <laughs> they couldn't afford Bowie or Jackson 5, but you definitely had half of these songs were on the best of the... You had Hooked on a Feeling, Spirit in the Sky, I'm Not In Love, um, Escape the Pina Colada song, Ooh Child was on there. It's it's amazing how many songs are on. And this was like a 30, you know, double CD of... Yeah, it's hits. totally the Time Life collection. But I would, yeah, I, would, totally. I would play that. I'd put that on at a party once People in a while. Put on some of these songs... And people yeah. would love it. It was yeah. great. So it's good music. I understand why people were excited that someone made this little seventies mixtape for them. We're jaded, but if you're a teenager, you're in high school or college, um, it's fun. And then I tested them out on my six year old daughter, and it was funny because you know we, we totally did this dumb parent thing where she left the kitchen because me and Emily started um, dancing around to come and get your love. And we, oh my god, big chill just, style? Oh yeah, totally. It's just fun to dance. And the more she was like, please stop dancing, you know, and she's in first grade, the more we were doing it and she's like, I'm leaving this kitchen if you she's don't stop right. dancing. And she stormed so out and it was really Hold funny. But she was really into some of these songs and then she had never heard I Want You Back by the Jackson 5. And she's like, what is this? And Emily's like, this is the song DJs put on to get people to start dancing at weddings, <laughs> every single wedding. She's like, because it's really a contagious fun song. And my case is like we're jaded and know all this shit, but it's th- these songs are um, what like 40, 50 years old now. Yeah, yeah but I'm, no, not, someone, I'm making a different case. Anyway, that's my case. I'm making, young, I'm people. arguing something different. If you bought it and you're over thirty, you're a loser. <laughs> if you're under thirty, not, if you're under thirty, you're you cool. What you just said <laughs> about Reservoir Dogs and the juxtaposition between the darkness and the violence and the like joyful beauty of hooked on a feeling is exactly what is happening in guardians of the galaxy as well it's just that instead of like dark yeah, just not on a darker yeah, it's not dark but it's but it's all but it's still like it's life and death stakes yeah. for the characters oh my god 
intergalactic warfare that could mean the end of the universe, right? It's like literally the highest stakes you can imagine from a plot perspective, if not from a like dynamic characterization perspective. Um, and and the the songs come in and like lighten that time and time and time again yeah. and and they're offering in some ways i think you could say like the they are the biggest lever the like strongest device in play in this movie exp- watching experience for any kind of complication if it weren't for the music the movie would be so one note in, yeah, that's true. in the way that you would would like move through it, its story. Yeah. But as Joshua said, there's so like if I asked you if Tainted Love was in this, you'd be like, maybe. Oh, yeah. Tainted the, Love seems like a good. No, you'd be there's like, well, if like it's not, thing, it you know, sure it's shit should be in number two or number three. <laughs> yeah, there's songs about, like that in thing. number two. For do sure. what you want to do. That's yeah. a perfect one in here. And I was like looking at songs and I was like where Joshua was. um in how interchangeable they are. And those that's were a, Take On Me. That's a fun quiz. What what's, my, what songs should be added to this? What song belongs here? Well, the they're, all in vol- they're all in volume two. <laughs> what about like Happy Together? Yes, you for and sure. Like and also, another, I Want You like, To Want Me. just these kind of like, <laughs> yeah, that one you can put in. And it's just a vibe, you know, but I genuinely like some of these songs. Like, oh I God, like me red, too. I like the red. No, of course they do. They're yeah, good yeah. songs. I look, I'm not saying that this move, that this soundtrack sucks. I'm definitely not saying that these are good songs. This is a good mixtape. This is a mixtape. I would have also have liked to have been given when I was 13 years old. What I'm saying is that, that I, like cool 70s I don't, I, I think that this, this is a mixtape that happens to have been delivered to people through a movie. I don't feel like there's ever a scene in the movie where it's like, oh my God, that song hits so goddamn hard no, right there. There's different kinds of soundtracks, and I was thinking about how this is definitely, this is the plot soundtrack. This is the soundtrack as part of the plot. Baby Driver does this too, right? Where it's like the soundtrack actually is part of the story. It's part of the all the move all the music exists within the movie and it's there it's like a you know, it's like it's a tape that he listens to throughout the movie, they right? Both so it's got literally dead mom in the tapes. movie. Right. So th- there's a lot yeah. of co- there's yeah, I think a- we talked about this in the <laughs> Yeah, that we did. Right and there's a lot of correlation there, but I think that like it's like no, the soundtrack is part of the story. It's not really there for um emotional resonance and i think that there's Kinda other like movies Footloose, that we've looked at. which gets referenced in this movie which i had forgotten about until movie, rewatching yeah. it today was she's like i feel like kevin bacon or what <laughs> what was the yeah. line or situation he accuses her she says she doesn't that. dance and he says oh yes you're oh, okay, like okay, the okay, people okay. from my land right. of footloose or whatever <laughs> i don't know it's some stilted <laughs> footloose reference the uh, pop culture references are, are but if you're a kid and you get that reference to the old movie you feel really cool yeah, and laugh at it. i guess yeah, I, I thought like, some of the pop culture references i've were seen that dating. antonioni movie <laughs> 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 i like this category joshua i like mixtape is plot or soundtrack is plot yeah this is this is a plot soundtrack i i guess i've gotten spoiled by soundtracks that are trying to do something more than this in a movie and i think Mm -hmm. this this soundtrack is just checking some boxes it's gonna sell a lot of units it's gonna um be fun and it's gonna like continue a vibe 
in a kind of a vague way that pretty much any other song from the same era could have done. So I'm 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 not super impressed by it. I think they'd agree with you though. They're like, sell a lot of units, gonna be fun. Yep. Create a vibe. Check. Boom, you're yeah. hired. And, Love it. And Joshua's <laughs> like, negative, negative, negative. Those are three positives for the MCVU right. universe. Right. And just in terms of our podcast. Where are the critics? In though? terms of yeah. our podcast, I feel like I'm not terribly impressed by this soundtrack. Fair, fair. Yeah, it's it's easy. It's easy. All these songs are are tried and tested and they they've and we'll talk about this how many times these songs have been in so many other movies too so we know they work in movies we know they work at weddings we know they work on the radio because they're there too or as compilations so it's it's all it's all it's all very product tested and it delivers um let's do that but i was thinking sorry i was just gonna say i was thinking is this the only movie where um you have movies where you're like someone loves a song and it's like Maybe a love song or reminds of someone dead and they keep playing a song and the song's actually in the movie. Maybe they have a physical piece of the song. Has there ever been a movie where the actual soundtrack is just in the movie and then they play the soundtrack on a tape in the movie and then you can get the tape and play it so wholly? I know songs have operated like that in movies, but when you were talking about right. that, I think that's kind of funny. Like, you know, if you were in Pulp Fiction and someone put on the Pulp Fiction CD for Uma Thurman to dance to or something. Yeah. The whole soundtrack is just in the movie. That's that's kind of interesting. I can't think of another movie that, that did that. I don't think that there is another. I, I think that like that's the thing this movie is as known for. Uh in It's a funny trick. It doesn't it doesn't make the plot more meaningful, but it's a it's a funny gimmick. It's a great way to sell units. I was about to say it's a really brilliant omni-channel strategy. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so you, you that's the technical language for what I said. <laughs> my attempt, my vague attempt at technical language, your actual <laughs> technical language. <laughs> Joshua just keeps me like moving units. <laughs> yeah, they can move units. I don't think people said move units since like yeah. nineteen. I think I, I think, like I, think I saw Boy. Secret of My Success, and I'm still like uh, <laughs> talking about moving units or something. We're gonna move a lot of units. Stack them high and watch them fly. <laughs> So the uh, character design and costuming sucks in this movie. Oh, it's it's like Doctor Who level terrible. It's really, it's really bad. It's fucking terrible. And, it's and unbelievable. I, and here, I can't believe it. It's like, let's paint somebody orange. That's an alien. <laughs> and that is... What the fuck are you talking about? Yeah, the, the blue dude, it looks very 90s like... incredible. When you can see the scenes in the, the makeup That's the best fucking part of a f- science fiction fantasy like genre is that you've got a billion dollars you can do whatever whatever. yeah like to come back to star wars for a second it's not it's not like my kind of fashion but it's so perfectly constructed every bit of the world is is like you know fully realized they don't just paint somebody blue and call them an alien no they at least have to be wearing some like you know vacuum hoses on their head along with (laughs) being painted blue Mm. yeah yeah, no, I agree, and I'm glad you brought that up because I was definitely struck by that. I was like, so all the women are are humanoid, but a different color, just are, but a different color. Uh-huh. The yeah. the men are the men are humanoids, but have like a a mohawk that is like made of metal or something. Groot metal. Groot is a tree, but he's fashioned himself into a human shaped tree. 
So he has like breast, chest bones and stuff like that, you know? <laughs> I was like, this is just so stupid. Like, this is like, you guys, did you, I mean, who thought of this stuff? Groot has a twig clavicle. I think yeah. that's part of um, why everybody I'm, loves Rocket Raccoon so much is because he's the only one who just looks like something we recognize. He is, he is. <laughs> he's just like a talking He raccoon. is definitely a fun. He's not Raccoon, <laughs> though, a, from No, he's not as great as Raccoon, that's for sure. But he is a very, he is, he is a fun character. I don't think that this movie does a lot with him, but he is a fun character. But you know what happens? It's funny that you're talking about like Groot and everything I never really read comic books growing up so when I watch all of I this I definitely didn't read this one I didn't know anybody that read this one I think what happens is when you're like oh we have a source material you just gotta go along with it because I'm like oh I guess you know the comic books probably have a lot of sometimes they do tongue-in-cheek and make fun of how silly the comic books are in the movies and wink yeah. at you so whatever they do you can't question unless you're like a fucking comic book scholar in an online, you know, chat <laughs> on or something. Cause those people know what they're yeah. talking about. But for me, I'm just like, looks like Groot to me, whatever the fuck this tree. I didn't know. I never knew there was a tree person. Or you were like one of the last Gen Xers to get a tenure track job in a media studies department. <laughs> I follow a couple of them on Twitter and man, <laughs> you nailed it. <laughs> so true. <laughs> But I think there's one moment that does feel like a genuine, iconic Guardian of the Galaxies moment. Because a lot of times it just felt like lifted stuff. And I really enjoy the look and style of the opening, the second opening, not the flashback with the kid. You're talking about when, when he dances. Yeah, when Chris Pratt has the yeah. weird helmet on. It's kind of like Star yeah. Wars vibe. He takes it off. And come and get your love starts. And he's kind of doing his mediocre dance moves. And then he picks up one of those weird like rat alien things. Yeah. And he starts singing it into a microphone. And then the title screen comes up. That song felt like that was the only song that felt like, okay, this is working. They're owning. So this is a, a moment when I watched it again, I was like, oh yeah, this. And I feel like they got their little original yeah. Guardians of the Galaxy moment. Unfortunately, it doesn't happen. Say, I agree with you. I believe that that song actually was integral to that scene. I'm a, I'm a big fan of this song, too. I think Come and Get Your Love is a great, cool song. It's the kind of song that everyone kind of knows and you don't know the lyrics to. Yeah. When you're singing it and you're like, hey, now, hey, now, what's the matter with you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey, yeah. The <laughs> oh, yeah. And then, like, Come and Get Your Love. It's also one of those few songs that I really like where you like the verse more than the chorus. Oh, yeah. That's, yeah, that's the good. Verse. That's good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the chorus is like, all right, that sounds like a pop chorus. But the verse is so fun to sing to. But do you guys know about Redbone? No. No. I mean, Redbone's, a little bit. Redbone's cool. They they have the, um, they were the first um, Native American band to get a top five rock song, a pop rock song that charted. And they're made up of Mexican-American and indigenous people. And the person who told them to form that band, and he's like, you should be all Native American, was Jimi Hendrix. Because <laughs> <What? 'cause laughs> the guitarist in that band is 
Jimi Hendrix. That should have been a fill in the blank quiz. Jimi Hendrix's favorite guitarist that inspired him and, and from the 60s. And he just loved this fellow musician so much. And he thought he was like a brilliant guitarist and one of his favorites. And they became friends. And he was like, they were like playing surf music. And, you know, it was one of these guys. I don't know what percentage, but Jimi Hendrix is part indigenous as well. I don't know yeah. what percentage either. So he also really felt connected to them in that That's way. Awesome. But. It was two brothers, Pat and Lolly Vegas. Their last name was Vasquez Vegas, but they went by Vegas. And their first agent told them to play surf rock because if they were just like because of Link Ray, guy's name Vasquez, Vasquez, <laughs> people would like pigeonhole them, and they wanted to play like '60s rock and stuff. So they played surf rock, you know. And then they ended up writing songs for um, James Brown, Sonny and Cher, Tina Turner, Little Richard, Damn. and they they probably have a few other songs like you might know on the radio but this was their huge hit um so it was fun to see it but i think the first time i really heard this song it might have been in the 90s you know, there was a moment in the 80s and 90s, and I mentioned this to Joshua, where people were covering old songs, and then you knew them as the 90s signal. There was a German Eurodance version that charted really high. Of this song? And you re- yeah, because you remember, because it's, come and get your love, and then someone in the song would go, come and get your love, come and get your love. <laughs> Come and get your love. Do you remember that? Well, I and don't. Like a but, beat to it, but hang on. And it became a dance. Two, three, hit. two, one. Bah. <laughs> there it goes. Hit it. <laughs> But I'm interested in these kind of songs because... Like covers of old hits that you learn from the cover. Yes. And my example is I never knew until I was in college that I Think We're Alone Now by Tiffany was actually an old... 60s rock song by uh, Tommy James and the Shondells. I was from devastated to learn that. Uh, you guys, neither <laughs> of you, I'm, I was about to make fun of Matt. You're on Matt's side here? How did you oh, not know that? Yeah. I was... I was I was a hundred percent on Matt's side. Nineteen eighty seven. You're eight years old. Why would you be into the garage well, rock records? But then the Shondells and it was the, and meanwhile yeah, Tiffany <laughs> is just so cool and and she like gives you permission. She's Tiffany is the is the like midpoint on the spectrum that goes from Belinda Carlisle to Debbie Gibson. Yeah, okay. So so. You know, like Tiffany is helping you get. She's yeah. she's like smoothing the path for yeah, you, Debbie Gibson, <laughs> from Electric Youth to something that's gonna take you to like where you really need to be. So she's important. And then you learn you're in like high school, college, and you're like, oh my god, it wasn't actually a Tiffany song. Oh, I love that song. I was like, oh, this is cool. That's why that. That's why my I liked the song my older sister liked because I was, you know. Not I cannot Tiffany. tell you how much I loved. I think we're alone now. By Tiffany. By Tiffany. That's great. But Joshua, I feel like because you're a little older, my like me being like, how did you not know? Well, that I just feel like when I'm a, people I think feel like I'd heard that on oldies radio or something. Well, I have I have a good example when people thought "Killing Me Softly" was a Fuji. Oh song. yeah, yeah. And you're like, yeah. no, 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 that's an old song. I'm sure that's, that's a the fucking first time. Flag song. Exactly, yeah. but I'm sure if you're younger, that's what introduced you to that song. Uh-huh. So, 
the real McCoy tried to do that with um, Come and Get Your Love by uh, Redbone. But the dudes from Redbone still play and they do, they've kind of leaned into their indigenous um, heritage thing and they still play shows to promote it and do stuff. And they seem like really cool guys who wrote a lot of cool 70s songs. And I learned Redbone is actually a Cajun term for mixed race. Hmm. And they were all about are they are they from Louisiana Mexican, or something? indigenous? No, but they were all okay. about just mixing shit together. And it was basically Mexican indigenous, you know, and then rock, blues, soul, Cajun music, and they were just into this kind of like multiculturalism um, in the in the sixties. It seems a little ahead of its time. You know, another another good example uh, of one of those songs that like people didn't realize was a cover of a really old song. Yes, I love these. What is it? Uh in the pines when nirvana did it on their unplugged uh episode mm-hmm. i think i think that the unplugged album called it where did you sleep last the night meat puppets no yeah. no but no I mean, the screaming trees guy did it on that like iconic folk album that people worship right yeah yeah it's like it was a it was a very old folk song oh oh i know it's song. okay okay i was getting i was okay okay yes yes i know where did you sleep last night yeah yeah, yeah but yeah, yeah. do you know his idea for the cover was stealing someone else's idea to cover that old folk song? yes yes but i think that like when- it was a cool idea another guy had and he was like "Ooh, that's a great idea for unplugged yeah how about how about this moment when aerosmith has a hit and then you realize Aerosmith is just re-releasing a song they had a hit with right. from the 70s. <laughs> the first wave and of their yeah. career. <laughs> you're a kid yeah. and you can't figure it and out. Aerosmith. And yeah. when I watched Dazed and Confused, yeah. it happened to me. Because they play Sweet Emotion and that was a hit in the 80s. And I was like, this wasn't out then. And then I realized that Aerosmith just covered their own yeah. song. And then it was a massive <laughs> That's hit a in the 70s. Fuck. Yeah. That, it was Sweet Emotion, yeah, right? That, that was a confusing thing with the Aerosmith. Dis- if, like, if you're of that certain age, like... That we all are is that uh that that it's you did, you weren't there for the early part of Aerosmith at all and so the the when they became suddenly on MTV again and like a cool quote unquote cool band but the, half of the reason they were cool was shit that came out before you were born but you born. didn't yeah. it was it seemed like it was being presented as if it was now I don't know, it was very it was very weird wait here here it is they had a huge hit with Sweet Emotion in 1975. <laughs> And then they had a huge hit with Sweet Emotion in 1991. That's crazy, yeah. And also... Like, they didn't even just cover Paul Nelson's song. They're like, we're just going to cover our own song because we've been around so long. How does that not throw you into existential dread for the rest of your life? I don't know. (laughs) Steven Tyler and Joe Perry are of a different breed than I am. It's so weird because it it wasn't like on a Greatest Hits album. You know, like sometimes a Greatest Hits album re-releases a song and everyone's like, oh, yeah. That was another one. I was looking for some Moni Moni by Billy Idol. Yeah. That song rock rocked me. Yeah. No, I went to, I, I tried to get my haircut like Billy Idol. Uh, after, yeah. <laughs> I feel like Joshua goes straight to the haircut. If he likes, if he, Harry Connick Jr. Billy. Yeah, Idol. I guess that's true. I mean, it was, it was, you know what? I mean, it was a brief moment of, of hair. So I, I probably think about that a lot. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, did you, well, is there any other haircuts on your list where you're just like, I'm getting the Willie Nelson braids? Oh, I'd probably do that now if I could. I mean, good Lord, are you kidding me? That'd be fucking sweet. I had a dream once where I had like a big, big full head of hair. And it was, I was like, eh, that's kind of fun. I'm, I'm fine. I'm totally fine with not having hair. I'm like, like when every once in a while, like very rarely somebody will make a joke about it, like in a way that's supposed to like be cutting. And it's sort of like, oh, that's weird. Like, 
They, that is weird. Yeah. Who the fuck yeah, does that? I know. That? It's so strange because I'm just like, God, you think I, like, you think that hurts me? That's so strange. Like, <laughs> you could say a billion things yeah. that would hurt me. That's certainly not one of them. But, but I did have a dream where I had a full head of hair and I was like, oh, that would be kind of fun. And if I had that, I would probably do some Willie Nelson braids. Why not? It'd be cool. <laughs> that also I mean, seems like an old You legit cannot go insult. wrong with Willie's braids. It seems pretty cool. Yeah undyingly cool hey, here's here's one i definitely didn't think it was a cover i mean i i'm sorry i didn't i knew about the original but i probably appreciated the the Lemonheads, mrs robinson before i appreciated simon and garfunkel's mrs robinson oh you know i i knew the one well i knew it i knew it but it's not like i jammed simon and garfunkel when i was 17 years old I wasn't a dork. I feel the same way about Hazy Shade of Winter. Yeah. yeah I sure. definitely appreciated the Bengals yeah, version yeah, of it yeah, long yeah, before yeah. I appreciated the Simon and Garfunkel version of yeah. it. Yeah. No, I think I definitely jammed Simon and Garfunkel in high school. And who this. didn't appreciate Fiona Apple before the Beatles? What song? Whoa, 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 whoa. You didn't grow up listening to the Beatles? Yeah, weird. No, I definitely didn't grow up listening to the Beatles. And you call yourself a child of boomers. It's all lies. <laughs> that's the first thing they do. The first thing Joshua did was yep, play the Beatles true. for his daughter. That's true. The, for day one, day one of my daughter at home, I played her the Beatles. He like gets his guitar and he's like, Blackbird nope, singing I played, in her, the I played her Revolver <laughs> and the first song that she, the first song that she heard was Eleanor Rigby. My kid already... Loves the Beatles. It's pretty sweet. And then she pooped during Good Day Sunshine. <laughs> well, it sounds like kids' music. It's no, like, for sure. It does and I'll tell like you what, when, when... It's good music, I'll tell you and what, then they got like... She was paying attention. I could watch her. Her eyes were open. She was hearing it. You know, she was definitely sort of... Yeah. It was in her. It was happening in her head. When Yellow Submarine came on, her eyes opened bigger. I'm telling you, she heard Yellow Submarine. <laughs> I, it did. You could see it happen. I was like, that hit a little harder. That, that song is catnip. Yeah. And, it, and then she was like... The kinks are my Beatles. Oh, you know, then, and then, then <laughs> I, like and then I was like, girl. and then I was like, well, I guess I'm going to, you know, that's, this is the end of this. That, that was fun. <laughs> <laughs> you're that type. Uh, I guess you're mom's favorite now. <laughs> <laughs> So, Guardians and Galaxy, as we were saying before, or as we were saying, we will say in the future, depending where you edit this. <laughs> Good point. <laughs> Little editing joke for Joshua uh, to chuckle about when he's when he's got the headphones on. Um, they use a lot of songs that are kind of like you can't miss with them. We all know that everybody loves. Um, now I got to scroll to a song. Like you play "Ain't No Mountain High sure. Enough." You play "Hooked on a Feeling." These are tried and true. Mother attested and approved. What did she say? <laughs> time tested and mother approved. Mother no, tested, tested and, and time and approved. Mother approved. Um, and then I was thinking, okay, what songs are so time tested and mother approved that they just constantly keep showing up in movies? Because a few of these have shown up in a lot of movies. Yeah. But first, I want to ask you. I found this database. I don't know how good the research is, but they claim to know what songs were in movies the most. The song that is number one is in 15 movies. Pretty Woman. No. Do you want me to tell you the movies first? And then you oh, have to yeah, guess. Yeah, okay, no, okay, oh, good, no. Good, yeah. Yes, but... It's going to be absolutely right. impossible. Okay, yeah. Go ahead. 
no, Heather, what you you wanted to deliver it in a certain way. I'm curious. Yeah, no, I I think it, I think this could be a good quiz. I I want you to give us the fifth. Oh, you want it to be a I, quiz. I want you to give us the fifteen movies. You'll never get it. Oh, really? Oh, interesting. Okay, yeah. Tell us what is it? No, 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 because no. I'm gonna. Now I'm I want to hear the fifteen. I'm gonna movies. tell you. <laughs> I want to hear the. Here's 15 what's movies. gonna happen. All right, I'm gonna. I'll, I'll pull the best. I'll pull the best of the fifteen, and when you can't take it anymore, okay. just okay. stop. What's our safe word? But when you hear the movies, and I'll, I'll read the right Cypress ones. Hill. You're gonna Cypress be Hill's like, the safe word. Oh, it's one of these kind of pop okay. songs, and then you won't know right. it. Grown Ups Two, White Chicks, <laughs> Tropic Tropic Thunder. Oh, Transformers: oh, Age it's of Extinction. One of these kind of pop. <laughs> there you go. Transformers: The Last Night. Uh, Into the Wild, Furious Seven. Oh wow! Bubble Boy, The Proposal. Wait, is Bubble Boy an Adam Sandler movie? Maybe. <laughs> but that's a good. Okay, so it's a song. Mm-hmm. Um, do you want any other? Yeah, yeah. Other, give me some more. Give me some more clues? movies. Uh, I, I don't. Except even know for Into the Wild, so far they're the all festival? like ludicrous, dumb ass yes. movies. Yeah, and very recent too. Sandy recent, Wexler. Yeah. Middle school, the worst years of my life. So you got cheap yeah. movies. Yeah, movies that don't have movies. a big budget. So did I mention white chick? <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh I have a guess, but I have to look up what the name of this song is. Oh, then you don't have it because you would never have to look up the name of the song. Oh really? Oh, then I guess I'm gonna you would be just wrong. Know it. <laughs> well, I'll still say Oh no. Do you want me to give you a year of of when of the, the song, song came sure. out? The song came out in 1990. Oh, oh shit. fuck! What the fuck? Ice Ice Baby. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Joshua is very close. It's it's in it's in the world of of a song like that. That Ace of Bass song. <laughs> mm, closer to Ice Ice Baby. MC Hammer is before 1990. Oh, right? that's what it is. <laughs> you can't touch this. <laughs> Um, here's here's one that I did not know would also be tied for the seventh spot. Fade into you by Mazzy Star is in set is in. What movies. are the movies? Yeah. I'm gonna go watch them all one by one. They they. <laughs> I, was listen- I was listening. I was listening to that album just a this super morning. Cut of every. Yeah, scene. I'm fucking. That album it's, is it's great album. outrageously good. I don't know. It some is of good, these but like that's such a vibe song. Yeah, but it made it into Justice League. I wonder oh, wow. how many of those. I'm gonna. I'm, you guys, this is gonna be my. I don't this is gonna know be my Christmas break movies. project. I'm gonna watch all nine of these movies. But before I do it, oh I'm gonna God. make an estimate of how many of them are playing that song during like a four play scene, because that album yeah. is no a no. plus plus sex music. Yeah, but that's you not. You need like someone like climbing through the sheets. That's not, people, like, that's not how like, the movies are gonna use it, Heather. <laughs> that you're giving the movies too much. You credit. don't think no, so? No, they're gonna use it for melancholy. Oh, I could. Uh, I don't yeah. know. Oh. Yeah. No, no, no. What if I can see like a cute frolic in the in the like Claire Danes and, and Leo they... and Romeo and Juliet? <laughs> exactly. But then when they break up, someone like looks out the window thinking about it and then they get back together. But I don't know any of these um movies. Uh Chasing Mavericks. I don't know. End of Watch, Angus, American Honey, Justice League, yeah. Lord of American Law, Honey's War, good. That's a good director. Tall Girl. Thank you for your service. You have a link your work. <laughs> <laughs> I'm taking it on. And man. the to-do list. I mean, I'm doing it. I'm doing it. Oh, wait. The to-do list was another. I think the to-do list was on the um, 
you can't. Oh, you know what? This is a really good opportunity to remind listeners that if you would like to listen to some fantastic Miley Cyrus, you can find her (laughs) NPR Tiny Desk appearance in which she covers Mazzy Star on YouTube. Link and subscribe. How many more songs did she get? So a lot of what we're doing here in this episode, and part of the reason that we that I picked Guardians of the Galaxy is like we're just sort of like like checking in on on the soundtrack. Like where are we at here? This is successful. Kids bought it. Why did they buy it? What's going on? And I definitely think that um it it there's some things we can take away from it that that you know this does no original songs on it. There's no attempt to make this um, current. The soundtrack is all somebody else's nostalgia that you are being handed. You know. Mm. Oh no, that's worth pausing over. Somebody else's <laughs> nostalgia that you're being handed is a pretty interesting way to think about like a whole category of soundtracks. I think like again, like the year is coming to a close. The first season is coming to a close. We've listened yeah. to and watched so many things. I feel like we've yeah. really learned a lot. Like. Yeah. We've got some real like circle of life things happening in our own lives in the last week. It's really easy yeah. to be like, yeah, there is something going on here with nostalgia, which we've been talking about from the very, very beginning. Sure. And this time around, it's someone else's, which it's different. It does. It's different. This is a different soundtrack than or, any we've listened to in terms of like its, its relationship to its audience. Yeah. It's someone else's nostalgia, but it's also interesting or fun to just be steeped in another genre. You know, like when you you watch says a movie the man like, who loves oh. when Harry met Sally. <laughs> I like, yeah, but I'm just saying, yeah, that's another thing. Like, there's '80s rock. The harder they come, might be. An oh example. yeah, yeah, yeah. The harder they come, um, there's like movies that have like ridiculous '80s rock action movies. There's, you know, musicals from the 60s and like stuff. And I think, I mean, we're very practiced in being steeped in people's nostalgia because we grew up in the 80s and 90s. Because where, we were raised by boomers um, who insisted that their nostalgia exactly. be like shoved down our fucking I, I don't want to get Heather. We can't, we can't attack them as hard now that we saw the Gen X polls. <laughs> what, what the fuck is happening with the Gen X? Like, I can't believe you're throwing that in my face again. I'm not shocked. But the boomers were selling us their borrowed nostalgia and they're like this is what the 60s were like which they weren't really like it was like people on the coasts maybe but the rest of america obviously hated it because when reagan came along they're like we never we always hated you hippies but we saw a lot of 50s and 60s nostalgia and i'm trying to think what is the line between enjoying a time in a genre you know when you like get into like i'm gonna watch a lot of um you know films made by this director in the 70s and absorb that and then when it crosses into nostalgia and not just enjoying the genre. Do you know what I mean? Because this, I don't know if this is nostalgia as much as genre. No, this would me. not be, a, it would not be nostalgia for the like, audience. Days no. and Confused is nostalgia. Days sure. and Confused yeah. is like built yeah. on nostalgia. This is more just built on like a vibe and genre yeah. to me. And, and that's why, and what I'm saying so is that the, 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 
along that same lines, the filmmaker did not necessarily care what the songs were either. That's why he just literally loaded up 150. They, they came up with a theory. Let's do 70s hit songs yeah. because we want to create the genre. We wanna, yeah, we want to give people yeah. this thing. And then he said, OK, well, I'll just listen to a bunch of those songs and then I'll find ones that like I enjoy. It was I honestly don't find that as criminal as you guys think. I, it is. I don't think it's that criminal either. Um, I, I think that that's what makes it. Uh, not annoying it's is that (laughs) the director actually doesn't have nostalgia like remember nostalgia is a form of pain right like he's that's where the word comes from or longing. yeah Yeah. like it's a it's a kind of it's a kind of desire that that is almost like unbearable right um he he is not actually pining for this past no no that's true he's mining this past (laughs) Tired pining, wired mining. <laughs> well done, Matt. This makes me think we're just circling back to my my feelings about like this 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 film universe in general. Is I guess I just I just want a movie to to have a little bit of pain in it. Like I just want a movie to like Aww. to feel a little bit more, to try a little harder, to be a little sadder, um, and. I feel and so the closest bad that this one comes is uh, MCU didn't deliver that for you, Josh. No, they don't. <laughs> but you know what? Lots of kids' movies in the past have. Lots of action movies have. The MCU universe is not interested. In I that. just find that you know, they're such a cynical franchise that is just so. I don't know. If we it was go my, on an MCU thing, like I never expect an MCU. No, but I guess I'm just, to do anything but like no, make a very good, enjoyable movie. That's sure. kind of soulless most of the time. And this is where I come in yeah. as your MCU apologist. You're like involuntary MCU apologist. There's just apologist. too much money at stake with these movies there, well, for them not to I be think that designed. That's by what committee. I mean when I say that rewatching this one, I'm like, oh, they've really improved because I think that those forms of of pain and suffering and and like genuine emotional stakes as opposed to physical is the universe going to burn down stakes like you want et shit that kind of pain crying yes, kids movies yes stuff, yeah. and that kind of stuff does happen in in a number of the other entrants into the mcu mm-hmm. but in this case the closest they're able to come is like the sisters are at odds or yeah. uh or, or I have a dead mom, that or I have was, a dead wife and a dead kid. That pot was so bad that when she called her sister, I didn't know if it was like in a slang way or like, <laughs> actually sisters. For real, I was like, no, I had like I was kind of like half in and out, and I was like, yeah. oh, she means like sister, sister, yeah, not like you're going down, sister. <laughs> <laughs> so well, here we are. This is like sort of our most recent entry into the. Uh, we're well past the big soundtrack era at this point. This is similar in timeline to when Baby Driver came out, but Baby Driver is definitely going for an older audience. Like this, this is this is what the kids are hearing. This is what this is where we're at. Where's the soundtrack? What are we doing? How how's it doing? Is it dead? Uh, this sold a lot of units. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. What do you think? Like like where are we at here? Big soundtrack era is dead. Well, dead, right? I need to ask Heather a question about this because you have a thirteen year old. Fourteen. 14. This is what I don't understand. When 14 and two quarters. <laughs> oh, I, I don't understand how, um, in what way the young ones own music now. Because when I owned music, 
But remember when music was your politics because you didn't yes. know many politics and uh, you worship someone you like I had never left that period. Yeah. Thank you very much. <laughs> <laughs> but you're like I have a podcast. Girl. Would you like to hear more about it? <laughs> <laughs> but music becomes your identity. No, it never you happened know, to me. Like, Can't really you're like I'm a crow soundtrack person. I'm a, yep. you know, I'm a, I'm a whatever. I see where and you're headed. And the answer is no, that moment is gone. They do not interact that way. So do they ever flex? Like when I see Nirvana t-shirts around, uh-huh. that's just more a fashion yes. thing or a nod to it. Because I see it a lot of young people like, doing the smiley face. Yeah, with the X-Eyes. totally. It means that that, that that kid, uh, has recognized that this was a, that that was a cultural moment that, mm-hmm. that it had like, um, it's like the Led Zepp t-shirt. Yeah, totally. That it had like a story around it that there was an omni-channel strategy, if you will, for how mm-hmm. to activate culture around it. Um, and and they and they are interested in that. They're 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 intrigued by that. Um, but it's not because they're it's not because they're like sitting at home listening to bleach from track one to the end and then putting on nevermind and listening to that on track one till the end. Like it's not there. Wait, are you saying he's the one who likes all our pretty songs, yeah. but he don't, don't know what it That's means. That's exactly what I'm saying. Don't know what it means. <laughs> That sounds, um, I'm not, I'm actually not, I, no, no, I'm actually not like, saying that they don't know what it means. I'm saying that. But they're not into it as, like, an, remember, like, yeah. I'm it's an artist. I think that they experience they music more like the way you and I experience food. Uh, like, we don't feel the need to uh, connect our identities to a specific kind of food. Instead. Speak for yourself. The, I'm a fried squash blossom guy. <laughs> Instead, we feel at our like most fulfilled as eaters when we are being as like lowercase c Catholic in our tastes as possible and we are experiencing as much as possible. And the worst thing would be to eat uh, the cuisine of a one community two days in a row, right? Like when you're deciding mm. what to order, yeah. the first thing is yeah. to say, well, yesterday yeah. and this we and the day Italian. before and that, yeah, yeah. right? Yeah. Exactly. So mm-hmm. I think that that same like, and that doesn't mean that we're not engaged with food cultures, right? It actually means exactly the opposite, that we are, that it matters a great deal to us and that, right. we, and that we are really like in dialogue with it. But it also means that we're not like super fans of a, of a specific thing and that the way that we self-identify is not through a particular genre of it, but instead through our desire to consume as much of it as possible. That is how I think that like kit kids today but they don't do the super consumption i mean they're listening all the fucking time just like we were that has not changed at all right but they're not they're not appreciating that like an album might be a singular work of art that you spend some time with no they're not it's not they're not interested in that i I feel like if we if we were to say they're not appreciating it that that would mean that they had been exposed to that concept and had rejected it instead i think they're like not even it's not it's not even like a relevant notion to them well, it's like when you like an artist or a painter, but you don't know every single work they have. 
No, you're being way too generous when that comparison. It's not like that. No. If if you notice, I've become more generous in my old age. I'm like the Benjamin Button. I keep becoming less cynical as I get older. If you walk up to a Jackson Pollock painting, you could you you don't you should stop and appreciate the entire painting. Yeah, but someone's like, oh man, you can't see Pollock number two in, until you've seen Untitled 27, dude. You know what I mean? Uh, I guess so. So I feel like that's how they're appreciating it. Like I like Rothko, but I'm not like that was definitely pre-62 Rothko or, yeah. you know, like you can recognize some things, but with the way we were about music, it was just like, well, that album sucked compared to this. And we compare eras and genres and what guitarists were on what albums. But when I go to a museum and say, I'm a huge like Jasper Johns fan or something, um, I probably yeah, okay, interact with his yeah. work the way they're interacting yeah, with yeah. Yeah. Just, just. Just trying to understand. Yeah, I think that's exactly the, the right. young ones. It makes me sad because the you know people worked really hard to make uh, albums like one thing. You know. Yeah. Like this is a piece. This is this 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 song leads into this song. I don't. I actually don't right. feel I mean, that way. People don't I read don't, novels I, anymore I, anyway. Maybe I would if I hadn't <laughs> been like the frog boiled in water slowly by having a kid, right? And like slowly watching <laughs> what happens to the frog, all Heather? of that happen around what me. What happens to the, <laughs> like, end of the frog? Well, I think that's just it. It's like the frog doesn't know what's happening to them. Maybe I don't know yeah. what's happening to yeah. me. But me and like, Josh yeah. are watching you die slowly. I don't, yeah, you're watching you're <laughs> One MCU movie at a time. <laughs> <laughs> like when my kid takes a shower, the, uh, the speaker is loud enough yeah, when right, it's, yeah, yeah. you know, d- when it, to be louder than the water and we're, and it's not a headphones moment and I, every time I think to myself like this is such a surprising and delighting way of listening to music like you never mm. know what's going to come next yeah. it's yeah, so yeah, yeah. oh because yeah. it's always on shuffle no because it's again algorithm driven and so <laughs> sorry it's not shuffle that it's, it's yeah Right. Shuffle, except that shuffle is like your choices, right? Yeah. So she, the algorithm yeah, she doesn't is know like it's coming surfacing next. things that, yeah, and it's that it's really um, and when you do when you when you do it enough and you teach it and you train it, like it really will deliver pretty right incredibly yeah. uh, like accurate to what you want to hear kind of stuff. I don't know. I I, I, I would I be like devastated if my kid was incapable of sitting down with an album or understanding right. that there are like complete experiences that can only be had by listening to side a all the way through and then side B all the way through. Of course I would like, of course that would be devastating, but I think that there's also something to be learned from watching them just eat everything. Yeah, They mm. eat everything. That's interesting. That's a good job. So my argue, because sometimes I think that and I'm just like, so what? Multitasking is also a skill that can be appreciated or something or, you know, when I get, but I think there's a depth of thinking that's very rewarding that is, is existing less and less. And maybe that's not important. I agree. Right. There's, there's a more, there's a deeper thinking we used to do with long firm journalism or reading books or listening to whole albums. And there are rewards to have and to be gained from a pleasure that sometimes felt more, I don't want to say like labor, but there was more of, um, you have to participate. Well, it's certainly more, it's certainly more immersive. It's more immersive and more, you have to participate more. Give yourself yep. over mm-hmm. it to it more. And it seemed like the, yep. the, the kind of deep thinking you would get from that or from a book um, is really rewarding. And it almost felt good for you or revealed the world for it. 
to you. But now we're in this other skill set where it's like you're juggling so many things at once, tasting so many more things, being part of it, which I'm sure is another form of experience. But I don't know yet if that is depth of thinking or just a surface scramble of your brain kind of thing. I mean, I think that you certainly sacrifice some things when you stay when you focus more on on breadth than depth and you sacrifice some things when you focus more on depth than mm-hmm. you, you know mm-hmm. what i mean like yeah. there are trade-offs and i don't know what to think because you know the famous story of um the de la roche the french painter who saw a photograph in like the mid 1800s and screamed painting is dead and like painting hadn't even gotten to like abstract painting yet or yeah, something. Yeah, 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 yeah yeah so you don't yeah. want to be that guy no so I don't know what to tell you about the soundtrack to bring it back, Joshua, where the soundtrack <laughs> is. Because <laughs> the soundtrack became a playlist. There's another. There, I, maybe I'll scream painting. Is there's dead another out. far end of that spectrum <laughs> that you don't want to be, which is the, the uh, I remember when um this was, this would have been whenever Taylor Swift was like 12 years old or something. And, and uh, if you listen to NPR at the time, you were inundated with like 44 year old men whose daughters were eight. And they were like giving the movie, the music review of the new Taylor Swift record. And they're like, oh my God, dude, she's, she's so talented. She writes all her own songs. She plays all her own music. She's so incredible. She's, she's no so Tiffany. incredible. And it's like, <laughs> no, she doesn't write her own songs. She doesn't play. What are you talking about? Like she's a, she's a kid signed to a major label. I could even tell, I could even point you to the names of the songwriters that she's working with. What are you saying? Because they publish that. Yeah. Like, this is crazy. <laughs> why, why would journalists not know this? Well, because what they're doing is they're spending, they're falling in love with their child's oh, uh, 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 collection. Because they're saying that, like, my child likes something. Well, when I was a kid, I liked rock and roll. And my parents thought that was stupid. And I was right. Because that music was actually good. My parents were wrong. They were square. I don't ever want to be that person. I don't want to be guilty of being square and my and my child being right. You know about that. I don't want to create that divide. And the problem is, it's like, well, no, but like, that's not always true. Like, your kids are gonna like some dumb shit, and it's okay to be like, yeah, this, you like that. That's fine. You're a child, and child children like children's things. You really, really like the MCU. That's fine. You're a child. But there is, but someday, there, hopefully, you will become an adult. And when and, and hopefully when you're like 17 or 18, you're going to see a movie. Here's my hope that you're going to see a movie that uses a soundtrack. Well, you're going to see like a Scorsese movie or shit. I'll even say a goddamn Tarantino movie. You're going to see a movie where the song actually means something. And it's not Guardians of the Galaxy. Like, it's not just a vibe. It's not just a fun song. But the song actually is part of the aesthetic experience in such a way that it's integral to the feeling of the scene, the emotional reality of the scene. And and it's going to hit different. And that's why I don't think... You know something that, that I, I, I'm and hearing you're your... Like, Daughter, I have a podcast about this. <laughs> Get listening. <laughs> I'm hearing your argument, Joshua. I'll tell you something that the youths are dead fucking wrong about. They don't wear jeans anymore. <laughs> and jeans are the fucking best mom they can take their fucking athleisure stretchy e-waste shit and die in it for all i care before we were doing the podcast i said i have a, a, a an idea or question synthesizing all of this yes good bring um, it now we need it. we have, need it now more than ever all right we'll bring it all. at this moment we need kind of hitting on matt this. thank you so much that you're bringing and, it home Joshua was kind of hitting on this too, where 
Watching Guardian of the Galaxy, I was thinking of Heather and her daughter, who's been, you know, a kid and an adolescent and a teen through all these MCU movies. And then Joshua, who now has a new child he's going to be watching movies with. And I have um, a six-year-old. And I was thinking how I would probably really be enjoying Guardians of the Galaxy if I was watching it with a kid. My sure. kid's like a little young for it, who yeah. was also enjoying yeah, it. Yeah, sure. And totally different. Because thing. what kids yeah. also do is they give you a break from being the cynical realist that you are where you see, oh, I heard this movie cost two hundred thirty million, which Chris is that <laughs> and you you know, and, and your politics and you can yeah. just see a raccoon fucking blast a bunch of bad guys with a laser. Yeah. And eight and pairs like, of contact and, lenses does not a character and, design <laughs> department make. <laughs> and cheer that on and just be in the sheer like kind of irresponsible bliss of a bad movie. And yeah. I was thinking there's something to that too. Yeah. hundred percent. Sure. Cue the circle yep. of life. Let's get some Lion King music going here. But I if totally you don't have you, a Matt. kid and you're a grown up, you have no fucking business watching guardians <laughs> of the galaxy yep. at 40, 40 fucking three. <laughs> no, totally. I'm a lineman for the county And I drive the main road Searching in the sun for another overload I hear you singing in the wire I have one last question for you guys. Is this the perfect movie soundtrack? Heather? I know you think it is. Here's what I think. I think it kind of is. Mm. Oh, my God. Okay. <laughs> Look, it's not... Um, it's not what I thought I was looking for. <laughs> <laughs> Did you listen to this with your kids? But I, but I, do, that part but I do think that it's, it's a really enjoyable uh, album to put on. Yeah, and, sure. Yeah. And I'd I argue with that. And I think that it significantly improves the movie. Well, and, that's clearly true. Yeah. And I th- and I think that while these songs don't need the movie, the collection of these songs did kind of need the movie to find their way into people's hands as like a cohesive experience as opposed to something they might catch on the radio at CVS and be like, oh, yeah, that's a fun song. Like... If you think about the the various artists' soundtrack as something that helps culture move from one place to another, whether that's one time period to another or one community to another or one uh, form of media to another, like it's kind of doing that about as well as you could ever ask for. God damn it. That's pretty convincing. I'm glad I'm not going next, mm. Matt. I mean, Heather says it's a perfect movie soundtrack. It seems like the people have said it's a perfect movie soundtrack for the fact it broke through as a popular soundtrack. But, and the movie thinks it's a perfect movie That's soundtrack. True. It's I, I see what Heather's saying. It's almost there. But I can't get past the fact that for me, the perfect movie soundtrack has to be more in unison yes. with its film. I agree. And like I said, That's if fair. you put... Um, tainted love in here that would be really funny and probably have the same effect so 
I don't know though, but is the fact that it's interchangeable, does that matter for it to be a perfect movie soundtrack? For me, I'd say yes, because I like when a movie defines, redefines a song for me or the song can define the movie in such a way that it it seems singular, like you can't replace it. So I'm going to say no, um, just based on that criteria. I think the build big chill had a, uh, a sec, a second CD that uh, that was like the music music inspired music ins- by the Big Chill inspired by yeah music inspired by the Big Chill movie we talk about uh, other movies yeah. <laughs> other movies that have done that music inspired by and I think that this is the perfect music inspired by soundtrack I think this is all yeah good call. music that is very good for the vibe that this movie is going for but it's, it's, you, but it's a great mixtape it's a great mixtape Heather you're right about yeah, that you put it on and it makes me want to shake my unit. <laughs> If you know what I mean. <laughs> no, what? I mean, oh, wait, I should have said it makes me want to move my unit. Fuck. Yeah, it definitely shows. Well, you did now. Well, we're workshopping that one. <laughs> All right. And you know what, guys? It makes me want to move my unit, too. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for listening. For Heather and Matt, this is Joshua. We'll see you back here in two weeks for our Radio City Christmas Spectacular. It won't feature the Rockettes, but you still won't want to miss it.